Episode 3 of It's All Part of the Plan, DC Talk, right here on Get Into Geek. My name is Mitch, and joining me to do so is High Pitch Maddie, lover of all things DC characters, maybe not the adaptations that we've seen more recently, but he joins me anyway to talk about the news. Maddie, what's doing? I'm blinking twice to let you know that I'm here of my own volition. <laughs> I was not coerced in any way. I'm not being held against my will. But I I'm feel here. like because you've said that two episodes in a row, it's going to become concerning if it gets to three. Uh, any, Did I uh, use that any... joke already? God damn it. No, no, no. It would have been something similar and it would have been very on brand. So no, no, don't, don't, don't feel like you're using old gear. I just feel like you're being honest. So um, that's fine. <laughs> well, look, we're going to get to uh, some of my... Uh, look, you know, we've, we keep talking about it, but, uh, you know, right at the start, when I say right at the start, two episodes, but the first one came out quite some time ago and at the start of the year when I'm like, Bugger it, I'm going to get into those DC shows that I missed. And then by the time I started releasing the podcast that I recorded a year ago, uh, the shows were starting to be cancelled, and then they got more cancelled by episode two. And now it's like, you know what, I think since our last episode, The Flash, uh, which we're not really going to talk about today, but The Flash has been confirmed. It is coming back for season nine, but it is going to end season nine. Um, the other shows that remain that are far smaller than The Flash, they, you know, they've got a shelf life, let's be honest. But um, the movies and, and you know, Warner Brothers and, and DC films and all that, it's all exploded since our last um, chat, Comic Con happened. It's it's almost impossible to go back and pretend like we can cover everything that's happened since our last episode. So it, we can kind of touch on things based on the stuff in the news this week. And one thing that came out yesterday that I did want to talk to you about because I still think, despite you know you being disappointed in some of the uh, the more recent uh, deliveries from live action DC. I want to say that you were still keen to see Batgirl. Now we know that got cancelled, uh, yeah. um, not in a not in a PC way, but just outright. Cancelled. This time had nothing to do with Joss Whedon. Joss <laughs> had nothing to do with it. He wasn't fake on board to fake deliver a fake movie. This was happening. Mm. It was shot. They were into post-production. It was initially a streaming thing. Then it was maybe going to get a theatrical run a little bit like some of those Netflix films. But really, it was just a streaming film. And obviously, it got got canned because they thought, you know what, the 90 million bucks we've put into this. In the end, it was going to work out better for them to cancel it and then claim it on insurance. And I think get, you know tens of millions of dollars back in insurance rather than risk only making $1 million uh, on streaming, which it might not have even done in the end anyway. But, you know, uh, fans about that have been sad about the fact we're not going to see that movie. I mean, us, long-term, you know, our introduction to Batman, I dare say, if it wasn't, it was very quickly after, was, was Michael Keaton, where... Maybe still going to see him in the Flash movie, but we're also supposed to see him in uh, in Batgirl, and now we're not going to. So that's yeah. that's unfortunate. But there have been what at least people on Twitter um, that are reporting on such things um, from uh, from the trades calling them funeral screenings in the sense that the executives at Warner Brothers are allowing. I, I the filmmakers part of the cast and crew I don't know certain people to come to the Warner Brothers lot they are bringing in the only hard drive or whatever in the world that has the Batgirl movie on it allowing them to watch it and then they're going to lock it away in a vault forever uh, I, I read a comment the other day before this funeral screening stuff from the director or one of the directors and he said 
when he found out it being, about it being cancelled, he's went onto the cloud to try and rip the footage down so that at least he had a copy of it and he said it was done. Like, obviously, they wiped everything before anyone got wind of it, but now they're allowing people to watch it in its most completed version that they've got before it gets um, locked away. I, How do you feel? Do you think, surely, like in this age of digital... Uh, and digital piracy and the fact that, you know, everyone's willing to be some kind of Robin Hood in this world because it means they're stealing from the man. Are we going to see this eventually? Is someone, is someone going to break into the Warner Brothers? I think world? surely. <laughs> I think surely. I mean, you know, they people found the... Not to bring him up again twice in the same DC podcast, but... People found that bloody Wonder Woman script written by Joss Whedon yeah. that, that was done ten years ago. You know the the Wonder Woman TV show with um um is Adrian Pilecki. Yep. Um, I mean, vision of that showed up eventually. Like you know, and that was well before any of the real super digital age. So, I mean, surely someone from one of those like four chans or something like that's going to hack into the bloody WB server or something like that or. Mm. Just someone who can get access to it will have, eventually. It might not be a couple of years, but um, surely eventually it'll it'll see the light of day. Yeah, and you're right though. Like with the way that it's, it's a DC trend. Like you think in what 2006, I think around the like DVD release of Superman Returns, they finally finally released the Richard Donner cut of Superman Two. And you know what was that initially a 1979, 1980 film. And so that took over two decades before we saw that. And then when, you know, the Snyder Justice League became the Whedon Justice League and then everyone said, oh, well, the Snyder Cut exists somewhere. And, you know, while the movement to hashtag release the Snyder Cut was still sort of in its infancy, everyone just assumed, hey, look, we're going to see this one day. One day it'll be a special feature. Mm. They'll release it. It'll be like the Donner Cut. Everyone sort of paralleled it with that going, look, in 10, 20 years, we'll, we'll, we'll see it. But, you know, whether it was real people or bots, as as reports had it uh, the last couple of months, whatever happened, they ended up putting in another, what, $70 million or whatever into finishing the Snyder Cut. We got to see it a year and a half ago, which is kind of crazy. People asked for it for years, and then we've seen it over a year and a half ago. So surely there's there's going to be someone out there that's just going to, you know, get a I copy just... of it, and just it'll be a low-trade thing until someone takes it to Comic-Con, passes around a USB, and then yeah. it just explodes, all right? It'll be the new Pam and Tommy Lee. It'll be that. <laughs> in, in 20 years' time, there'll be a... They'll, that'll be the, the absolute sort of come around. It's like, in 20 years' time, there'll be a couple of actors who will be playing... The characters from what happened here, like Sebastian Stan did in yep. uh, in the Pam and Tommy Lee, it'd be a whole <laughs> big story. But yeah, I mean, I mean, they're obviously not making the best decisions anyway. I mean, I know there has been the whole merger with Discovery and all that kind of stuff. So it's like it's weird that a film could get that far through production to essentially be finished. For them to then decide, oh, maybe this wasn't a great idea. Let's not release it. I mean, it, I mean, I know it happens all the time in TV. Like there are millions and probably billions of dollars worth of TV pilots that have never seen the light of day. Mm. You know, but as an individual project, maybe it's a couple of mil or you know something like that, and it, it's just what happens. You you know you shoot the pilot, and then they decide whether it goes goes to series or not. But it's it seems a weird weird aspect for a movie. To be so far finished and then not... Yeah, at some point... I mean, they also, like... HBO Max doesn't exist for us. We have, mm. what, Binge, which is, like, HBO Max light. It's, yeah. like, we get some things but not others. Like, 
Uh, we still haven't gotten the the season three and four of Young Justice. There's still no way to see those legally here in Australia. And we don't get the Harley Quinn animated Harley show, Quinn, right? Harley Quinn, I think season one is on uh, like Apple you TV for it. like $23 yeah. for the season. And I'm like, get fucked. Yeah. Like, just give me that show. So there's a lot of... I think... No, I think we're finally up to date with Titans, but that was only lucky because we see it through Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Netflix grabbed it before HBO Max was a thing. When when DC was still going to do their, like... DC, DC Universe. DC streaming. Yeah. Yeah, they were going to have its own streaming thing. So there's clearly just a lot of mistakes being made by the higher-ups just with their choices and stuff yeah. like that. But it, it seems weird to have... Just have it there sitting on the shelf. I know it's happened to... Um, remember Savage Garden? The band, the Australian mm. band. And then Darren Hayes, when he went on his own... And I think it's happened to other artists as well, where it's like they will make an entire album and then it'll just never get released. And the production, like who, like um, Universal Music or whoever music, they own it and they'll just set it up on the shelf and it'll never see the light of day. I think it happened to Kesha as well, where she did a whole album and it just never saw the light of day. Yeah, right. So yeah, I think movies, I guess it probably happens, but this is probably the biggest... Biggest spotlight we've ever put on one because it's never happened to a superhero movie before. Yeah, that, and they're very in vogue. You just saying even the shelf thing that reminded me of um, Cabin in the Woods. So bit of weed and bit of uh, Chris Hemsworth, right? Like that sat on the shelf for a couple of years because he did that um, before he was anything. He sort of did that, you know, did that even before Star Red Dawn. Time. Yeah, before Red Dawn, and and it sort of just sat on the shelf, and they're like, oh, we don't know when to release this, and all of a sudden he's Thor, and you know, I saw that in what twenty. 2012, I think I saw that film. So that was when it was released. And that mm. was a year after Thor. And so it was obviously like, hey, he's a big deal now. And, you know, some of these other, like, actors, people might recognize and we can shove this out now. And, like, I love that film. The idea that it sat around on a shelf for a couple of years was is it's cr- crazy. Like, you know, you're looking at, you know, let's, let's just physicalize it as a DVD or something on a shelf. But it's like, that's tens of millions of dollars yeah. just sitting on a shelf right there that you could put somewhere and then come back the next day and grab surplus more uh, money. So especially, yeah. especially Batgirl. And like, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me still, like, it's not this, surely. But if they come out in a couple of weeks, months, and it's 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 been a different version of the Snyder Cut where it's like, it's just a different marketing ploy for this film because the hunger for it is there now. There'd be more people talking about it i'm sitting here in my radio station no one's talking about no one i don't i I would argue not many people that i could talk to in this station would know what hbo max is because they don't have to because we don't have it in australia but if i said hbo max well that as a digital streamer doesn't make any difference batgirl oh i've known that character right it's like no they were making a film that was exclusively a streamer oh why because it's a shit thing it's not going to cinemas no designed to be a streaming film right like warner yeah. brothers making it for their streaming service and oh that doesn't oh no wonder it cancelled it's probably terrible it's like no it's just a new wave it's just there's so many layers like you said the higher ups this new zaslav guy that's come in who's like the overall overlord of uh, of warner brothers discovery going hey look and you know god willing to at least some extent and even from a very selfish profitable he's businessman so obviously it's not selfish but from a profit side he's got to look at the fact that warner brothers has and always has owned dc characters not like marvel who are still Mm. trying to get all their characters back but own dc have owned like arguably the two biggest superheroes of all time in batman and superman and don't quite 
no i mean we've had some great movies along the way and great trilogies and series or whatever but if they're trying to create a connected universe and they don't have to but if they are well they're not really doing it probably they haven't got a narrative get set and well what are you doing you're making these you know you're, you're making your justice league um Snyderverse movies but you're also making a matt reeves one here and is is wonder woman properly connected because it weaves in and out of continuity with the main thing well we don't know it's just up to interpretation it's like cool maybe we get a fucking plan guys so Let's just yeah. wipe the slate clean. And, you know, I'm watching the Tudors at the moment. It's Henry Cavill before he was Henry Cavill. It was it was early Cavill, right? I, I love him as Superman, you know, see him in, in everything else he's done along the way, The Witcher and Mission Impossible and everything else in between, right? But I'm watching him in the Tudors and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a cool guy and he's Superman. And then I watch him as Superman and I'm like, fuck, like, I love him. I love him as an actor. I love him as Superman. It sucks yeah. the idea that they have that actor who loves the content, He who loves the source material and would be willing to play the character and they just don't know how to fucking use him. Yeah. Like, that's a shame that we as fans have this guy who's so physically right for the role, who's age-appropriate, who understands the source material, has the passion, understands the fan because he's a fucking nerd himself. He just happens to be six and a half foot tall and really, really good looking and ripped. And we was like, oh, we're going to lose him. Like They're just going to wipe the slate clean yeah. and in five years Did reboot you, um... and we're going to have some other new guy that we have to get used to, which happens all the time. I get it, but it sucks that we had this good one and they just didn't know how to quite use him properly for for as much as I do and don't like some of the movies that he was in. Did you hear the rumor about how um he he's like I don't know how much validity is there but about him being approached to play Hyperion in the Marvel universe? I haven't heard it but I saw for someone like Loki, do some artwork. Loki season 2 maybe or something right, like that. Right, okay. No, I only saw someone's artwork on uh, on Instagram. Which which is great cuz um Hyperion is kind of the quote-unquote leader of Squadron Supreme, which is basically Marvel's version of the Justice League, but they're all evil. There's like there's like a knockoff of a Batman, there's a knockoff of a Superman, there's a knockoff of a Wonder Woman, and um, Hyperion is their knockoff Superman. That's right. I remember you have told me that before. I, I'd forgotten the... I've got, yeah, I've got a little action figure of him. That would be... Yeah. I mean, what a kick in the dick, but... I mean, it's you know, and people are like, hey, come over here, come over here and play Captain Britain. Hey, come over here and play Hyperion. Well, yeah, I feel like it's it's his fuck you to DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, well, I'll go in the same way the boys make fun of, you know, superhero characters. Yeah. I feel like it would be a great way for Henry Cavill to poke fun mm. at himself yeah. and at and at his his time as Superman. Yeah. Well. Our, our tip, I guess, is that we're going to see this yeah. one day. <laughs> it might not be soon, but, you know, uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah. It, it's a shame because I think it was a step in the right direction mm. because I've said it for the longest time. The reason I think Marvel worked is because the originally the Avengers were nothing. The only, the only re- In the comics, the only reason the Avengers existed is because Iron Man couldn't sell enough comics on his own. Captain America couldn't sell enough comics on his own. So they brought them together as an X-Men style team, which blew people's minds, and then it took off. So in the same way they did that with the movies, it's like anyone outside of the comics realm are like, okay, I'm, I'll go watch it. Mm. Like who you work with, Ash, who is so a- away from anything superhero, loves the Iron Man yeah. films. And it was just slowly building, 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 building. Whereas with the DC universe, it's like Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, like the Justice League. To me, they're they're gods. They're up on a pedestal. They're untouchable. Young Justice was the way to go. Get in with all the younger crowds. You know, get in with the Aqualad, with the Robins, with the Nightwings and stuff like that. So I was really excited at the aspect of a Batgirl. It's like, cool, let's, let's stop telling the Bruce Wayne 
the Clark Kent stories, let's start telling these other stories. Mm. I was excited for that. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a I mean, you know, I I love. I'd love it. Okay, well, we're doing it. We're doing it properly. No one can say we're doing it properly before they do it, but that's the plan. Let's let's just start fresh, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna do it. And this is gonna be the definitive version, right? Like this is how we're gonna. Do- it's kind of, I guess, in a way. If I was gonna counter what you just said, if 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 the MCU got to civil war and said, you know what. Literally two years ago, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was out, and no one really liked it. And we, You know what? It's our second Spider-Man series that ended because the last films were a bit meh, and we just sort of run out of steam. And You know what? Let's just skip straight to Miles Morales. We'll bring him in. Um, I, I would have been like, no, you just do Peter Parker. Make him a teenager again and keep him in school for a couple of movies and let him grow and let him get 10 years down the track, 15 years down the track, and then introduce Miles and let him be Spider-Man for a while. So, like, I genuinely would love to see, uh, not that it's going to happen with his, at least I don't think so, but, like, say, you look at his an example, Robert Pattinson's Batman. He's an early Batman. He's been doing it for a year, right? Let, you know, he, he said he would love to see a Robin come in, but if he if Robin comes in, if Dick Grayson comes in, he has to be young. He wants to see that tortured relationship where mm. a, a grown man brings a 12-year-old, straps a suit onto him and gives him a stick and says, go and beat people up. Like, that would be interesting to see, but I want to see it. I don't want him to just go, oh, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. We're just going to, we're going to do Nightwing. And it's like, no, 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 I want to see Robin. I want to see Robin grow to the point where he doesn't want to be Robin anymore. And like, you know, give us decades of this stuff. Now, okay, no one's listening to this doesn't get interested in these films, but that might seem like, oh God, that's so far away. But it's the same with, I guess, the the Marvel stuff. They're already doing that. And we're only 15 years, less than 15 years into that universe. And we've got She-Hulk over the last 10 days. You know, we're getting all these other characters that most people- And what are they doing? They're bringing back Emil Blonsky. They're bringing back yeah. Abomination from literally 10 years ago. So it's like 10 years of time has passed, yeah. you know, for that character to just not be seen. So it's like, that's cool to then bring that character yeah. back and see and see Abomination again because that time has yeah. passed, which you so often can't do in live action. That's something you do in animation yeah, or in yeah, comics yeah. and stuff like that. So that's... And that's kind of... I've really always cool. said too, I always thought maybe... DC would or should or could take the the James Bond route in a sense that whenever the movies come out, that's kind of when they're set in their own timeline. Like Hulk, right? We're going to tease a little bit of Marvel and spoilers kind of for anyone who hasn't seen She-Hulk episode one. But Bruce Banner refers to the fact that he's been the Hulk for like 15 years. And that's because, mm. yeah, in... Uh, okay, we're going to take out the blip and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, his first solo movie in this continuity came out 14 years ago, but he'd been the Hulk prior to that. Um, so Iron Man... Every movie that come out, he would have felt like the years that had passed and all that sort of thing. So this is a continuity yeah. that exists in that world for like a decade and a half, soon to be two decades, right? Whereas I think I wouldn't like to lose Bruce Wayne Batman after 10 years. I'd be like, I'd be happy if they kind of, you know, even if you brought in new actors to like, you know, James Bond, right? Sean Connery is Pierce Brosnan. They're 40 years apart in in making movies, but um, it's the same guy. The Sean Connery stuff, that continuity did kind of happen to Pierce Brosnan just a couple of years ago, five, ten years ago, just rather than 40 years ago. He's not immortal. So I feel like you could keep 
Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Flash, or whoever you want, and you could make Nightwing get older. It's kind of like the you know in in a way the Simpsons or something. Like Bart has birthdays every; he's always ten, but like they get yeah. they get older, they get new experiences and stuff, but they still exist in this sort of bubble universe of their they've own had making. to they've had to keep retelling Marge and Homer's like first dates and getting together. Yeah. And revamp them so it's like to keep Homer and Marge like thirty nine or whatever they are. Yeah, like, they just sort <laughs> yeah, of yeah. keep sort of you know it's it's wild. Yeah, so like, I I want what you want as well. I mean, you want it because you've seen what it can be. I don't know any of that Young Justice stuff. You know, I know I mm. if Robin's in there or Nightwing's in there, I know kind of of him, but that's like about yeah. it. So I want to see that, but I kind of want him. To, I want to see it start from the ground up. And that's me uh, as a selfish fan because I then want someone to literally sign their life away. I remember interviewing Tom Holland ahead of the release of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and him saying, I will do this until I can't walk anymore. I will do this for as long as Marvel want me. Two movies later, or his third movie comes out, and he's like, "Yeah, I want a break. You know, I I don't know if I can keep doing this." If I and he, he was exactly. quoted, and hopefully it was ironically or joking. I only read it in print. Him saying, "You know what? If you're an actor and you're still playing Spider Man at 30, oh, I think something's gone wrong. Or if I'm an actor at 30 and I'm still playing Spider Man, I think something's gone wrong." And I'm like, "No, that just means success. Yeah, exactly. right. I want you to be Spider Man in that world for even if you have to." Do yeah. maybe what Doctor Strange is doing at the moment and disappear for 10 years and come back when the actor's ready. Fine. Just don't ever pull the pin. I want to see these people around because I'm a selfish fan and I want live action to be treated like animation where you can just bring back but, the same but, design. But that's right? what I'm saying, though, is it's like you could... They could have done Spider-Man... What, is it, what was the, the cartoon one? What was it called? Spider-Man in the... Like the Miles Morales one. What was that one called? Spider-Verse. Oh, sorry. Spider-Verse. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse. That's what it was. You could do a live version of that yeah. now, um, and just have Toby Maguire as the old as the old. For Peter sure, yeah. yeah. Easily, not a problem. And then you could, and then you could start fresh. In fact, now I'm surprised Sony young, haven't done that Miles already. Morales. Let's be honest. Like, well, because Miles Morales isn't white, so they're all like, <laughs> "Oh no, we can't, we can't have a non-white Spider uh, Peter Parker." So a, a, a black, like, a black no, character's Miles. fine in animation. Live action, oh, just yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Is is America ready for a live action Black Spider Man? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, they are. They're asking for it quite a lot, actually. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like you could you could definitely very easily do a, a live action Miles Morales with an old like Tobey Maguire coming in as an old burnt out over it. Um, Spider-Man, I think, would be fantastic. Well, I did not mean to keep you around talking about the funeral screening and talking to everything else after that, but I'm glad we covered some ground because it's been a while since we have chatted. But um, I did want to, before we get into um, the TV stuff, two other little points, and I say a little uh, lightly, but um, while we're talking about that, obviously with Zaslav um, taking control of the, of the you know, the merger, he's in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery and he wants, you know, DC to do things properly. Warner Brothers, I want you to do something properly with DC. What does that mean? Well, fans can say it, but now it seems like... Like well, so the reports want to suggest DC, even though they're not, there's no such thing as DC Studios. Maybe they need it, but Warner Brothers never going to give it that control. But that the DC part of Warner Brothers needs, quote unquote, its own Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige and the MCU is so good because mm. Kevin Feige controls that thing. He is the creative brain, essentially. You know, he's the overlord. He's 
well versed in in the comics and the lore of the characters. He's been a a lowly executive to a slightly higher underling producer on so many other films and failed films along the way, working on Elektra, but the early Spider-Man and the X-Men films and all that sort of stuff and seeing how things are done on a producing point, but also knowing, hey, I know what these characters, that's not what these characters are and I know what they could be. And, you know, Marvel, I mean, they got to a point where they only had, like you said, these characters that couldn't do well on their own well, let's make them do kind of well. Let's bring them together. And then all of a sudden, he's arguably the most successful producer in Hollywood right now. So Warner Brothers need to employ their own guy to do that. And who's that going to be? And literally overnight, there's reports, and it's coming from uh, The Hollywood Reporter, I believe. Yeah, there it is. That this guy, Dan Lin, um, is in talks uh, to be the new company's DC chief. Um, but basically, he's just going to... Um, report directly this this report claims he will report directly to David Zaslav the uh, WB Discovery CEO bypassing multiple other division heads now he's this article goes on to go he's been called one of the 30 most popular uh, sorry the 30 most powerful film producers in Hollywood I'm like oh I better read this that article's from 7 years ago but Having said that, wow. in that last seven years, he has been uh, well behind the Lego movie, um, the two It films, um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, like some pretty big IP for uh, for okay. Warner Brothers. Okay. You think of something like Lego movie. Now, a lot of that is the creative juices of um, the two uh, writer-directors of that film whose names are escaping me now, and they never do, but they are now. Chris Lord and Phil... No, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um, but, you know, if if that guy as a producer goes, yes, I see you as a creative wanting that story to bring in... Like, I love the Lego movie. That is the weirdest shit Let's make a Lego film with every <laughs> different IP ones that we don't even... Warner Brothers borrowing Star Wars characters to make them Lego, to make them in a movie with Batman and uh, uh, Line. I don't know, everything. They had everything in that film, and it worked. It was so funny, right? It was great, and they had spin-offs and stuff. So it's like, yeah, this guy might be the guy, and he's, I think, uh, forty, like mid to late 40s now. He's like 46, 47, and, uh, you know, he's he's good age to get in. He's been an executive for decades now. Like, maybe he is the right guy. Do they need one, though? Do they need a Kevin Feige? Um, because I, I would argue they don't need to just copy Marvel's blueprint to be successful, but... Do they at least need uh, a head honcho that can go, hey, we need a plan, whether that means that every creative that comes in gets to dictate what their movie's going to be like, or set a structure like Feige, or at least maybe he's the film guy, bring in someone from DC, maybe a long-term writer or a long-term executive of DC Comics who understands the characters and the mythology while he as a film producer can do dictate the business and together they can formulate a plan to do what one man in Kevin Feige at least started to do and continues to do and obviously there's a lot more under him that goes on but even if they don't have to copy Marvel's formula as far as film plans go do they need someone do they need their own Kevin Feige to do it you absolutely you absolutely need a creative head I mean Kevin Feige is not unique I would say Dave Filoni's been doing it longer mm. than um, Kevin yep. Feige has. It's just Kevin Feige was actually put in that official position. Yep. You know, whereas Dave Filoni was kind of with the whole when Disney bought Star Wars, 
Dave Filoni was kind of just left to his own devices and left mm. in the dust. You know, he had, he he was he created the Clone Wars with George yeah. Lucas, and they worked on that show together. George Lucas's daughter wrote on mm-hmm. that show. Um, like the the Night Sisters, the Night Sisters were created by Katie Lucas. As wow, far as yeah, aware. okay. Like she she wrote the Night Sister stories. Um, and then you look at finally, you know, after all the the debacle that is the Skywalker saga and and how people reacted to that trilogy of movies and the the, the bouncing of writers and directors and all that kind of stuff. It's like if you have that one creative head who can just be like, well, no, here's the story we're going to tell. Here's your section of it. Do whatever you want in this sandbox, and I'll, you know, you row the boat. I'll, I'll watch the mm-hmm. compass. You know yep. what I mean? You need someone at the top, just going, just course correcting, just here and there where you need it. So I think DC definitely needs that because there's some great stuff in there, but it's just so all over the place. They're kind of, which is weird that the, you know, Batgirl got cancelled because I feel like they're just kind of throwing anything and everything at the wall and seeing what sticks at mm. the moment. So it's weird to not even give that thing a throw. Yeah. So yeah, if they're gonna pull in someone, and yeah, I was just looking up all the all the IMDb stuff for um, for Dan Lin, and yeah, he's got some good credits to his name. So at this point, he's as good as any. Like you know, like he's a, he's a good candidate, but it's like, well, yeah, yeah they just yeah, because they've I mean they've had heads right. They've got like someone who's in charge of Warner Brothers. They got that Hamada, and he's in charge of the film thing or whatever. But it's like yeah, we need someone dedicated to. DC to the point where like Feige's so successful that in the dark days of Star Wars, you know, if, if something comes, a Rise of Skywalker comes out and people don't respond to it, people start saying online, you know, fans, critics, commentators alike, media going, hmm, maybe, uh, maybe Disney need to call up Marvel offices, speak to Kevin, and go, oi, we need you over at Lucasfilm, we need you to control Star Wars. I don't want that because I want him to stick with Marvel, and also like, is he might like Star Wars, sure. Like he grew up probably when it was coming out. It doesn't mean that he's as passionate about it. Like I don't want to see Dave Filoni leave a comfortable wheelhouse of his, like you know, show running one live action show or one animated show and become the overlord creative controller um, of all things Star Wars, um, live and animated. But I tell you what, as far as someone who knows their shit, he's second to only George Lucas, and uh, George Lucas yeah. ain't going to be around forever, and at the moment doesn't have anything to do with it. He commentates a lot on it, and he'll get interviewed and whatever, but Dave Filoni's still in the thick of it, and just pumping out shows, and it's like, The Mandalorian, pretty good. Yep, he's really excited about Ahsoka, Ahsoka's his baby, and he turned Ahsoka into a great character, and The Clone Wars is great, and Rebels is great, and all that stuff. I haven't seen Bad Batch, but, you know, like, stuff that he, he blossomed became great stuff right and you know maybe he needs to take more control at the top and you know if he had nothing to do with boba fett well wonder what would happen if he did so yeah if if you've got a feloni type looking after star wars in the future you've got foggy looking after marvel it would be stupid i think and maybe just because i don't understand the business to say that dc doesn't need someone at the head exclusively for dc like yeah you work for warner yeah. brothers no sorry now you just control dc make superhero movies go home you know like that's your job so do it do it quickly and also i think i still th- i still think there is room i love everything in the marvel universe being connected that's great um I get frustrated because I'm Captain Chronology, you know that in me, that if I watch something, that doesn't, I don't know where that fits, and oh, that's a bit funny, and that contradicts something, blah, blah, blah. And But DC, I want stuff to be um, connected. I, I'd love a shared universe situation where Superman can 
fly to talk to Wonder Woman over a coffee about something. Um, obviously, a better storyline than that. But also, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily want to see Robert Pattinson's Batman be that Batman, but I would love to see that fra- franchise continue. Um, mm. So can, can we have, like we have in comics, we have the shared universe, but then we already, uh, but then we also have these other either limited runs or separate label comics where... Batman exists just in his own world. He's the only one, or at least he's the only one we're telling stories about. He doesn't get help from Superman or The Flash or anything like that. So I think there is room to have uh, separate universes. But, you know, I'd, I would love to see yeah. a, a dark Batman or something in the films be supported by a live-action Titans or a live-action Young Justice yeah. on, on HBO Max or something. Like, not everything has to be a movie, but um, not everything is small enough to be on a TV screen either. So I think there's room for um, to do yeah. both. I also would think someone um, who could actually contribute quite a lot to the DC Universe would be Paul Dini who was sort of the creative sort of head behind all the animated stuff that we grew yes, up on back yeah, in the 90s. Yeah. You know, because he went from Batman the Animated Series into Justice League and took those characters, created a shared universe, took those characters into, you know, a Justice League. Hell, he created Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn existed... The first time you ever saw Harley Quinn in existence was Batman the Animated yeah. Series. He created that character, who is now sort of taken off. So it's like, he, he yeah. gets it. You know, I'm not sure if he's what he's doing now, what he's working on, where he where he's at, and all that kind of thing. But yeah, give him, give him, give him a yeah. say, give him a seat yeah, at the no, table, and see. What at he the can very least, like yeah, you need that sort of um, oh, what are they? But yeah, the creative sort of team and what the the story team. So, um, I like the idea of someone from the animated world, and I get why someone as big as Warner Brothers or now Warner Brothers Discovery would hesitate going. Hey, let's give creative control over a branch of our live action film division. To someone who just made, you know, a couple of animated films that, you know, loosely connected or something like that. I get the hesitance because it's it's a lot more money, but at the same time, you know, good story, good connectivity, good storytelling yeah. is going to make money at the cinemas. And yeah, at some stage you're gonna to have to take yeah. a risk. It's it's cheaper than spending how many hundred million dollars on a movie and then not showing it to people. Yeah. Like, like you look at Marvel, the way they started and it. And then yeah. the embarrassment of <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right. I don't know. Even people that like we said before that don't know about it. Are kind of wondering why a film would do that, why why a studio would do that. So, mm. yeah, like you just have to look at Marvel, Iron Man. Who the fuck was Iron Man? Like I knew him from a Spider Man cartoon. I didn't know him as anything else. And then yeah. Marvel go, well, let's make him our flagship film to kick off this thing. And then we're gonna go into a collab with Universal to make another Hulk film. Just five years after the last one, did not blow the roof off anyone's houses. You know, like. Uh, I like parts of that film, but no one's watching The Incredible Hulk going, oh, well, thank God we made a sequel. It's not a sequel? Well, either way, that's ripe. Let's make another one. Like, they were two yeah. massive risks. If you if you don't want to... Like, because obviously there's a lot of weight that comes with a Bruce Wayne movie, you know, um, uh, a Diana movie, all those, all those big characters. Do a Batman mm. Beyond. Start with a Terry... Do a Terry McGuinness who's being mentored by old man Bruce Wayne. So if there's less pressure, mm. see where you can build off that. And then because it's fucking comic book movies, if that all goes well, then you can fucking pull a flashpoint and go back in yeah. time and see that character as a young yeah, man. Yeah. You can do that kind of stuff. There's so many things that you could do. The f- but the Because fl- no, no one Batman movie is ever going to make all the Batman fans. No, God Batman no. is a different thing to everybody. There are people who... 
just absolutely froth over the Nolan films. I personally think the Nolan films are mm. trash. I got, I got I got no time for any of those films. For me, the the best, and I've said it a lot, the best thing for me is still Batman Returns. That's my Batman. That's what I grew up on. The Batman with Robin Pattinson was a step in the right direction. I enjoyed it. It wasn't didn't blow my mm. mind, but it was enjoyable. But then there's other people who just think that is the best thing yeah. ever. So, and my opinion of what a good Batman movie is is in no way more valid than anyone mm. else's. Like we all have the things that we prefer. Mate, don't so don't just... forget people listening to you on the internet right now, and that's a really controversial thing for you to say that your opinion is not better than everybody else's, okay? That's not the way the internet works, okay? Everyone has the most credible opinion everywhere, okay? So I'd ask you to uh, rethink that, please, and get a little bit more selfish about it. <laughs> Anyone who thinks the Nolan movies are good are yeah. dicks. They're shit. You're fucking idiots. Your credibility that, that, is gone. You have no credibility. <laughs> Jesus. The Flashpoint's a good point and to bring up even the, the third thing I wanted to talk about, which is the, the recent delays of both Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Now, Shazam was only pushed back a couple of months because it was initially, I think, a week either side or maybe the same day. At least that was a holding. I would hope they weren't going to legitimately think about releasing it on the same day as Avatar 2. Um, just because, I mean, it's sure, that movie's 13 years after its original, but, I mean, it was a juggernaut. You kind of don't want to take the risk that James Cameron's going to do it again, again. Well, yeah, it held the record as the number one movie in the world for how long? Well, it so... did, and then it lost it and then took it back again because they keep re-releasing it. Yeah. And they're re-releasing it in just under a month, 22nd of September, or maybe 21st in Australia. They're bringing it back. And I'll be there. Yeah. I will be back. Um, just give it its thing. It's the equivalent of when I still remember, and it's something you would never see done today, but it's like when the Seinfeld finale aired, other networks in America just didn't play anything up against yeah. it. They're like, what's no. the point? They're just... We won't yeah. even bother. Go watch that. And it's that. a smart choice. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, I read that about Shazam and I'm like, no, nah, fair enough. They pushed it back to March. And I'm like, cool. March is like the unofficial start of that summer movie blockbuster season. And now it's like months before summer, but whatever. But the big one was the original March release, which was um, Aquaman 2. It's been pushed back nine months to December next year. Uh, which wow. is a similar enough release um, time to the first Aquaman, which I want to say was late December in whatever year it released, 2018, 2017, I don't know, whenever the hell that came out. And 19, maybe? Yeah. Um, but that's a big... That's a big pushback, especially when... I mean, look, it takes it takes a lot of time to rotoscope Amber Heard's face to a but different that, Mate, that's the thing, right? <laughs> that's the thing is because all this shit... Now, I thought it was bad enough. They're like, we're cancelling Batgirl. It's like, oh, oh, that's weird. And then, like, you know... Yeah, like Ezra Miller comes out. It's like, he's hit someone. Yeah, we're cancelling Batgirl. Ezra Miller comes out. He's robbing people. It's like, we're delaying Shazam. And it's like, um, cool... Um, now he's come out and he's like, yeah, I've got, I need help. And I'm like, well, thank you, Ezra, for, for, for admitting what's, what's going on. Uh, Aquaman's also pushed back. Mm. It's like, what about the flash? Like still happening un untested, un undisputed. It, uh, it will come out in June next year, whether or not that actually happens. Oh, we joked about it on our last pod. How quickly can you, uh, fix up a, a lead actor's face now? Yeah. How, how quickly can you turn Ezra Miller into Lucas yeah. Till? <laughs> Like is that is that a possibility? Yeah, I mean, people have been jo- like you said, joking about it with that with Amber Heard. It's like, yeah, put Amelia Clark in there and let's get Khaleesi and Carl Drago back together again, but this time under the sea. Um, so God, who knows? But the Flash, it's like it. 
the only reason I, I almost see them is because they're not going to bring Ezra Miller back again. They can't. Um, nor yeah. would they maybe want to if like they're like, hey, but this one, unlike Batgirl, which was initially apparently $70 million, an extra $20 million because of COVID delays because they shot during the pandemic. The Flash is more of your $200 million, $250 million, So it's too big of a loss to just cancel. You're not getting that back on insurance. It's worth the controversy. Although I love the memes. We were sharing them. That Here's a picture of Ezra Miller being wheeled out out um, at the um, press tour for The Flash and it was a picture of Hannibal Lecter on like one of those (laughs) (laughs) the big frames being walked around and it's like yeah there's no way that Ezra can promote their own film at this point right and was it was it you that sent it to me or maybe something else on Instagram and it was like oh there's been like three Batmen since Ezra Miller was next to The Flash or something like that yeah like three different actors have played Batman since then. Or it was something it was something like yeah, that. Yeah, well he would have been, I guess, um sorry, they would have been because I think what, March March twenty sixteen was when uh, Batman and Superman came out and, and they obviously featured in that, but Ezra would have been cast then as the Flash, I guess late twenty fourteen at the latest. So um it's been a minute since uh Yeah, and he still hasn't had a solo. Yeah, film. so um I think the saving grace in some sense, aside from the controversy, is that you can use the end of that film, whether they reshoot it now without Ezra, that you just reshoot it, have a bit of flash, proper like world redefining flashpoint at the end of the movie where even Barry Allen himself turns around and does not look like Ezra Miller anymore, and it basically resets the DC Cinematic Universe, and Batman looks different, and you were there, and you were there. But then how does that work out? Because I'm still not even convinced this was even true. I just like the idea that it was so that I could tease you with it. But Jason Momoa seemingly confirmed that Ben Affleck is coming back in some capacity in Aquaman 2. Well, now they're pushing Aquaman 2 back to release after The Flash, which could reset the stuff. So obviously it's not resetting things. Okay, but if they're wiping the slate clean, Batgirl's supposed to come out in the next couple of months, the end of the year, right? Well, now we're not going to do that because we're resetting all of our DC content, right? Titan's probably not going to last. Flash has been ended. Everything's coming to an end. Ah, but we'll push another $200 million film until the end of next year where, you know what, it could go on and make seven or $800 million. The last one made a billion point one or some shit. It could make a lot of money too. And then Warner Brothers go, oh, fuck. People really like this guy. As well. We've obviously got to keep him, right? It's the same universe, right? We don't know. And then they're in the same position they already are. So what the fuck's going on? Uh... I don't know. It's just so overcome. I mean, I'd love to see Ben Affleck as Mira. That would be great. <laughs> I'm totally down for that. Put him in a red wig. See him, see what he does as Mira. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I just, it just, they're just getting so bogged down with that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, when Val Kilmer took over and like Val Kilmer and, and Joel Schumacher took over from um, Michael Keaton, it was just like, okay, yeah. all right, we'll see what he yeah. does. And then he only lasted one movie. They're like, okay. We'll put fucking old mate from ER in there. Like, we'll watch anything. Yeah. Just fucking don't get so in your head about it. Just and that's why let the creative choices make the make your decisions, not the fucking monetary yeah. decisions. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a world! But and that's what I meant before. Is you know my I don't know it's in, in you know a uh, um, a naive idea, but the idea that you you rather than age them like the MCU characters are aging in the MCU, that um, 
Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman can all... I mean, Superman, Wonder Woman are different, I get it, but Mortal Batman can kind of, you know, over a 20-year period in our world, he might age a couple of years, right? If that's all we need him to age, then that's all he could. And mm. that, you know, you might get four movies out of Batman and then you replace the actor, but we've kept Superman because he hasn't aged as much. And then after a couple of movies, you replace him and it's just an interchanging cast, but the characters remain the same. Going back to that James Bond thing, James Bond said the same. We replaced Blofeld as the bad guy, like the actor changed three yeah. times in three movies. Moneypenny was around for 14 films. She saw through four Four different James Bonds, right? M changed three different times um, before Pierce Brosnan came around. Like, you can do that because everyone else stays the same while other things change. And I think DC could get away with it. They just need to start and then go from there. But it's obviously easier said than done. <laughs> that sounds a million times better than what they did in the X-Men franchise where you got Fassbender and McAvoy playing the exact same characters looking exactly the same over a fucking 40-year period <laughs> across three films. Oh, they wanted them to wear different fashion, Maddie. No they wanted them to wear really cool clothes in the 80s, and they couldn't yeah. do that if they're in the 60s. Yeah, apparently there's only four years difference between what Fassbender looks like now <laughs> and what um, yeah. Magneto looked like in the first um, film. God, I've completely blanked on his name now. Ian McKellen. Yeah, you're right. That does that spits in the face of people that go, oh, you and McGregor, oh, what, in 10 years is he supposed to age to look like Alec Guinness? Wouldn't have thought so. It's like, well, actually, Ewan McGregor currently is 11 years younger than what Alec Guinness was when he played Obi-Wan Kenobi, so he just looks exactly. great. Sorry about that. Whereas, yeah, Fassbender, clearly a lot younger than Ian McKellen. It's like, yeah, but same guy, right? Well, when we when we want it to be, right? Hey, when we need it to be, sure. Days of Future Past, same guy. Other films, nah. It's yeah. this is a standalone story. What are you talking about? Drove me wild. Give it back to Marvel. Drove me wild. <laughs> yeah, I would like you as Captain Chronology though, if you mm. can, when you've got the time, just to do me a supercut of just all the future scenes from Days of Future yeah. Past, and just edit all those together for me. That would be Ooh. fantastic. Just so I can, just so I don't have to sit through all the McAvoy fastbender. Ooh, I can just, I can just enjoy the future. Because that's my yeah, favorite part. Yeah, for sure. Like your favorite part, but like, you know, you, do you just like mm. put up with the other stuff? I thought you genuinely. Some of it. No, I genuinely like like the their their argument on the plane. Oh, yeah. Where, that was like, the bit I watched last week. Is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That gives me yeah. goosebumps. That that absolutely give me, gives me goosebumps. I love that. But yeah. there are some elements of it where I'm just like, okay, let's get back to the future. But let's have more of the future stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Well, but as, as, um, as a whole, as a whole film, it's beautiful. But there are a few little bits where it's like. Okay, well, I will. I will do my best. I, I, Captain Chronology. That is a test that I will. I will undertake. I, that excites me. Even just, yeah, I would like to watch that myself, just to see how that flows. Like, yeah. it shouldn't flow because there's so much that's supposed to happen in between. But that would be a good challenge. So, all right, I'll uh, I'll add it to the list, which is my favourite quote, which. <laughs> Regrettably, most of the time means nothing. Uh, Matty, thank you. Uh, it is now time for me to throw to a podcast that I would have recorded well over a year ago talking about shows that aired even longer ago. Um, and I wow. can only hope... Talk about Captain Chronology. It is Captain Chronology. It's like, you know what? I did it and I do genuinely... I do actually want to... I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm a completionist in a sense. I can be watching something shit. Legends of Tomorrow, and I can still want to finish it just to say, yeah, I started it, I'll, fucking, I'll finish it, whatever. So um, that's not what we're talking about on uh, on today's show. I think I'm, we're still just talking Batgirl and uh, Batwoman. God knows what references I'm going to make. I, I might sit in the middle of this podcast yeah, and go, you know what, this show, it's not working now, but come season six, 
oh, well, this is going to take a real turn and it's going to get great. It's like, it's, like your, it's like your very own version of Days of Future Past, just jumping between Kinda, timelines right? and just I know. back and forth. And I'm going to talk to... I haven't, I, haven't seen any, I haven't seen any Legends since maybe the end of Season 2, yeah. but I definitely want to tune in to see... Uh, I think it was some of the last episodes before it got cancelled where um, Donald Faison shows up. Oh, uh, that's right. I, I'm... I want. I just want to watch the Donald Faison scenes because I'm a massive Scrubs nerd. Well, so I will definitely. I will definitely watch those. I'm nowhere near there yet, mate. So you'll be. Uh, <laughs> you'll be listening for a while. So uh, sit back and don't enjoy this. You're more than welcome to press stop, Maddie, now because you don't need to listen to what's happening in the early days of uh, Batwoman I season can't hear you. two. I've already taken my headphones off. I've already taken my headphones off. But here we are, you. back to season I'm, two of the show that's now cancelled. I'm walking away. I'm walking away. All right, I think even I'm getting a bit overstarting so negatively about the show. The last two weeks, been a bit much, and it's not at all what I'm intending to do. It just happens to come out. So let's talk about something great right from the top. I actually really dug the way this episode started. It was great to see a Batman bad guy like Victor Zaz pop up and... While the hotel room was a very clean setting, the brutality and emotionless way Zaz went about his work really painted the sociopathic aspect of his character, or at least for this show's restrictions, because they're not going to be able to show exactly what this guy's capable of. It actually reminded me a little bit of uh, the Gotham series, which, look, for all of its silliness, it was a real twisted show when painting just how dark Gotham City is and how much it can be. Now, I actually can't believe I forgot to mention last week the whole Alice and Sophie being kidnapped by Sophia's people thing. In fairness, we didn't get much to go on. It was sort of the last 30 seconds of the episode. But here we are. We find Alice and Sophie on the beautiful remote island of green screen where the mysterious Sophia is telling Alice that she, in fact, had nothing to do with Kate's disappearance, despite that mysterious letter from two episodes ago claiming just that. So... An instant question, who wrote the letter? Or at least who scribbled on the newspaper? Speaking of questions, why doesn't Luke Fox recognize Victor Zaz? Knowing the long history of he and Batman, surely Zaz has been caught once, or at the very least, Batman has identified him, if not caught him, and therefore Luke or the Bat computer would have full details on who he is. And even when they did facial recognition, he didn't immediately jump up and Zaz has returned or some other kind of really awfully line that I've just made now, but surely they could make something better. It wasn't until Ryan herself identified who Victor Zaz was, which again just seemed like it was a little bit too much trying to get her involved and, and, and up her worthiness to the team that she could identify one of the worst hitmen for hire or serial killers this city has ever seen. Instead of Luke, someone who has been working with, or at least his father has been working with Batman for years. Zaz's follow-up scenes do even more to assist that build-up of his character, that silent assault on the medical lab, the, the killing of those two people, and his reaction to Batwoman being in his apartment. All great stuff and how calm he was under all of those situations. So I take it you're the replacement. What happened to the old one? Did she get killed? Or... Are you like Sammy Hagar to her David Lee Roth? You're looking at me and wondering which old white guy I am? Ugh, kids today. No sense of history. The only letdown being, not that he had a rocket launcher at the ready at his bar, I actually kind of like just the ridiculousness of that, but that he was willing to fire it inside the apartment. A psychopath, yes. A sociopath, yes, he may be. 
But I don't see him going suicidal just to avoid capture by someone even he identified as not the real Batwoman. Not gonna sweat some freak who uses his skin as a knife sharpener. Well, at least it's my skin. Because, and I'm only being honest, you don't seem very comfortable in yours. It's like trying to pass for somebody else. I didn't design the damn suit. <laughs> I can tell. So what would he have done had Batwoman not jumped out the window as quickly as she did and the rocket actually hit her inside his apartment? Surely that would have killed him. And surely he would know that. So I don't think it went anywhere beyond just looking cool on screen. In the final battle between Zaz and Batwoman, he does refer to having met Batman at least in a fight. So there is potential out there for him to have actually never been caught. But in the return of that, the, the radio host, Vespa Fairchild, I want to say. Jeez, don't make me look up season one details. And her monologues uh, on the radio are almost acting like a bit of a exposition, you know, while we go through the little drone shots of the city. The Bat is back in black. Last night, Gotham's newest resident made a dramatic debut, putting the pizzazz in taking down Zaz. Now, is that just a fun title, or does she know Zaz because of his prolific crimes, therefore hinting at Batman having taken him down in the past? Either way, you would hope that someone like Batman would have found a way to stop him, especially considering Ryan did so in their first actual hands-on fight. Now, don't you dare tell me, and this isn't a gender issue, don't you dare tell me, that she did something that Batman hadn't done in surely several meetings, or at the very least, once before. But for all of that, it was simply the story of the week, and as much fun as it was seeing someone like Victor Zaz or any kind of Batman bad guy with the lore and the mythology behind him, the far less interesting secondary story provided the juiciest part of the episode, Sophia claiming to not have been involved in Kate's death. You always were my best student. But I'm afraid you've been misinformed. I didn't blow up your sister's plane. Someone wants you to think I killed Kate, when the truth is, I haven't thought about her or you since you left this island five years ago. She goes so far to say, not only did she not kill Kate, but that Kate is alive, and not only that, she has possession of Kate. A very alive Kate. Now, of course, that could all be part of some evil ploy, but to what end. Sophia said in a number of different ways, in a number of different settings, that Kate was alive and that she would be delivered back to Alice. Why lie about that? Why, apart from the obvious and it being Alice's one great weakness? But I don't know, maybe it is as simple as that, but considering the implications of not only the show in-world, but also the behind-the-scenes of the actual television show, why make such a big promise? Why quote-unquote, kill Kate off-screen in episode one, push on with her death in episode two, and then have the likes of Luke and especially Mary begin to really accept Kate's death here in episode three, only to, and this is if Sophia's promise is to be a complete lie, kill Kate off-screen again in a future episode. It just seems like too much if they are trying to move on from Ruby Rose, or more importantly, Kate Kane being a part of this world. And how about the name drops at the end? My God, the episode starts with what seems to be a no-name drug dealer in a mask, dishing out the latest you know, go-to substance on the street that lead to Commander Kane tasking the crows with finding the operation and shutting it down from my city. Only for at the end, two police officers say this. Commander says to go after the head of the snake. According to my CI, that guy is at the top of the false space society. You got a name? 
Not yet. Get one. I'm not giving the boss a photo so I'm doing the Black Mask. Black Mask! We just had Victor Zaz, now we're getting a Black Mask name drop. This episode proves recognizable Batman bad guys, like Zaz, have previously existed in this world. But with this, I'm, I'm guessing that Black Mask hasn't been one of them. And am I remembering correctly that it was released before this series returned for season two, that Black Mask actually was going to be a part of it? I, look, I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to wait. Well, you guys can hit me up on the socials. And then right on the cusp of the episode ending the way that we think it's going to end, with Sophie telling Commander Kane, Kate's father, that she believes that Kate is still alive, we get this with Kane referring to the contents on Kate's phone. Do you have any idea what in the hell Kate was doing looking into a painting by Jack Napier? Boom! The goddamn Joker! Or at least the name given to him in multiple pieces of source material. Look, not only that, Making the Joker or Jack Napier a painter, but at the very least, having him delved in art the same way that Jack Nicholson's Joker did in the 89 Batman. It's weird that the show felt like it needed these two name drops so late in the piece when they were already going to fade out with Sophie telling Kane about Kate's possible survival. But I'm not upset that they did. Far and away for me, the best episode of the season so far. Look, the first two episodes didn't set a high bar, and really, it's the best of three episodes, okay? It's not a great competition. But I like the way that it started. It got the ball rolling very early. There wasn't as much trying to force Ryan into the story. Obviously, the end of last week, we saw Mary and Luke come to some kind of agreement that Ryan could wear Kate's suit until Kate comes back. Obviously, Mary believes, as we find out in this episode, that's less likely than what Luke is holding out. And Luke's okay, as we see here as well, that Mary believes that. He's just okay not believing that she's dead either. And he takes steps himself, establishing a better working relationship with Ryan. And I wanted to say I'm sorry for being so hard on you. You kicked some major ass yesterday. I get it. You miss Kate. But I need you to give me a chance. A real chance. Till she's back. Yeah. Deal. As good as the Zaz element of the episode was and the name drop of Black Mask, I'm hoping they don't start using this show as just an easy excuse just to bring out Batman's rogues gallery. I'll admit I know nothing about Batwoman's rogues gallery. I have no idea who her bad guys are beyond Alice in this TV show. So if they are going to pepper in some of Batman's baddies, hopefully they do so sparingly and it fits in well the fact that these guys do still exist and they are still going to pop their head up and maybe even more so now that Batman has been gone for as long as he is. And while I have wanted the last couple of weeks for the show to adequately move on from Kate Kane and Ruby Rose, it seems in this episode it is really split down the middle where you have Ryan and Luke and Mary actually taking the show and moving it into the future beyond Kate, beyond Ruby Rose, while Alice and Sophia and Sophie are still very much in that Kate camp. And while we get Mary accepting Kate as being dead and trying to convince Luke of the same so that they can move on with their lives, the other side of it is Sophia telling Alice, who then tells Sophie that Kate is still alive and can be returned to them if Alice is allowed to continue on with what she was doing. 
the further it goes on, I think that is what the writers are wanting you to believe, that Kate will come back, because that was our Batwoman for season one. But let's just speculate. Even if Ruby Rose wanted to come back or the show said, no, we're definitely bringing back Kate Kane. Ruby Rose is gone. But Kate Kane is coming back. What then do they do with the Avicia Leslie's Ryan Wilder character? So much excitement went into her casting that we do get this diverse casting when you consider the leads of the entire Arrowverse itself. Again, save for Black Lightning, which at this stage has only been very loosely connected. That there is no way they're going to cast a black lead as a replacement character and then for that other non-black lead to come back and then push the black lead into a sidekick role or a separate hero role. In story, that might make sense. And Ryan Wilder might be one to, if Kate was to come back and take on the Batwoman mantle once again, that Ryan would want to establish her own personality and her own hero to better represent those who she wants to stand up and fight for. But as far as a television show that is going out to audiences and trying to hit certain demographics, there is no way that is going to happen. The writers know this. The producers know this. The actors know this. Why then do they keep pushing on with these story elements that keep promising that Kate is going to come back? If I'm putting money on it, she's not coming back. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. And hopefully, if they do bring her back, they do it in a way that pleases everybody and even that coming out of my mouth it tastes pretty bad because we know it's never going to happen that's all for dc tv this week we are back again on the next podcast to talk batwoman episode four just a few short weeks shy of the premiere of superman and lois which the trailers for that are actually looking very very good almost too hopeful if you are a bit of a hater and criticizer of the cw shows but let's hold out hope the trailers look great and it's a new character it's the first time superman's been on screen in god knows how long on tv let's hope for the best until then more batwoman back next podcast of dc tv we'll catch you then get into geek 